Welcome back to Four Feckless Friends. Uh, recording this one after the fact, as we just kind of, conversation was good enough, we just jumped in. Um, there's only three of us on this episode. Uh, Mike was unavailable, so you have myself, Ben, uh, Finney, and Rudy. Uh, we've cleared the backlog, so please look for new episodes the first week of each month going forward. If you want to contact us, we're at the number four, fecklessfriends at gmail.com, the number four, F-E-C-K-L-E-S-S, F-R-I-E-N-D-S at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at FecklessFriends, F-L-E-C-K-L-E-S-S, F-R-I-E-N-D-S. Um, and please review, rate, download, and subscribe. Thank you. And decided for whatever reason to come in and like just like complain about the gas prices. And <laughs> the guy behind the counter looking at you just like, I'm like, is it? Driving, it's a luxury, isn't it? Really? Like, it should, it's right? If I'm not mistaken, this is a luxury. And the guy's driving like a brand new fucking Audi. It's like, dude, what the fuck? Like, are you really, like, concerned about, like, gas prices right now? Because, like, go to any other state and they're going to be higher. But it was just funny. But I left thinking, like, yeah, driving is a luxury. And, you know, I do have it pretty good right now with all that. But I was like, couldn't believe this asshole is just coming here and complaining about the gas prices. Yeah, I'm That's sure like, no fucking clue. Cashier who's making eight fifty an hour, you know, he's the one that's setting the gas prices. It's just like, <laughs> it's just like, like I don't care, dude. Whatever, you know, go somewhere else. No, no skin off my back. Like we just both looked at each other and had this like, you know, stare. Of can you can you believe this? Can you believe moment. this asshole? <laughs> it was funny, but welcome, Vinny. Thanks for finally showing up. Yeah, thank you for um, thank you for hanging out while I was trying to figure out how to fucking. And uh, it was like just uh, an impossibility with beating my two-step verification. I could not figure it out. <laughs> oh, so you're saying you actually had trouble trying to get on to Skype? Get a new phone. Yeah. Is this the excuse? Ah, interesting, because I believe there was someone else who had trouble <laughs> with that a couple episodes back, and they were getting kind of ragged on for it, as opposed um, to like, well, how can you do it, or what's the problem? You just press the button. Well, you know, I just did a lot of work to get logged into my account and, and you know, beat technology um, so that I could join us and be fully participating. And if somebody would figure out how to log into their damn Apple ID, we could all have a shared <laughs> note and make this podcast even better. So maybe you should put a little time in here to figure that out. Touche. Is Mike, is Mike here? I haven't heard anything from him. Other than whatever text message yesterday, I guess. Was that yesterday, just Jesus. I got up so early this morning, everything seems like last week. Um, why, why, why'd you get up early this morning? I went fishing. Did you catch anything? Did not. We only uh, fish are there. you in Detroit Lakes? No, so I'm in this walleye club, right? And we, uh, we did a, our club outing or whatever, we went out to... So we were out to this lake, Lake Washington, which is out by Dassel, which is just west on 12. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's no problem. I was thinking in my brain, okay, that's like 45 minutes or something, or half hour, you know, whatever. So, because we're meeting at 7.30, I was like, oh, that's not too bad. I just get up at like 6.30, then run out there, or whatever. And like, I was like, last night, I was like, I should actually probably Google and see how far away this place actually is. Like, Google, it's an hour 20, and I was like, oh, mother, we're meeting at 6 to 7.30. <laughs> I was like, all right, so I set my alarm for that. I was like, okay. So we were over at Friends last night, and I was drinking a little bit. I was like, all right, well, I'm going to set the alarm for 5.45, and I'm going to wake up, I wake up, and I'll go. If not, well, I guess I'm just not going to go. I'll go out there for lunch. Just meet him out there later. And then, 
alarm went off and I woke up and I was like, all right, well, I guess we're doing this. And then threw it all together, got out there. As I, I kind of did kind of get out there kind of late. I forgot something that had come back after I left, which kind of sucked, but. Ooh, that's the worst feeling ever. Got out there at like eight, fished like noon, and then we had boiled up some hot dogs and then had the, uh, some fine quality buns provided for us and uh, had a little light lunch and then drove home and got home like at three and took like a two hour nap. Pretty good. What kind of dogs you put in those buns? Um, ballpark, uh, all beef, uh, bun, bun, nice. si- bun size. Nice. There's nothing more American than a ballpark hot dog on a bimbo bakery. I hadn't had the ballpark all beef ones. They were really good, actually. I had like three of them. <laughs> those buns are really good. It was, no, well, the buns, see, the thing is, like, even though I delivered those on. Thursday, those were still probably the freshest bun you can get, like in the Twin Cities. You know, um, it's this job is kind of ruining the bread because I'm getting the bread before like it even hits the shelf, essentially. At this point, but it's funny because those um, we're trying to get the kids to eat more meat. Um, they just really don't. They, they're kind of picky. I, I don't know if it's just our kids or what, but like they really just kind of. Just pick a little, you know. They never really sit down and like eat like a full meal. They just pick, and um, we tried a bunch of different random things, and all of a sudden it was, excuse me, um, like oh, I got these. Like I were somewhere and they had turkey dogs on sale for like some ridiculous, you know, like Bogo or something. So we grabbed a couple and we made them. Man, those kids went to town on those turkey dogs. It was hilarious. We're just we're Bridget and I sitting there looking at each other like, wow, okay, this is interesting. They're really going. So, uh, long story short, we've been having turkey dogs like every other day at this point. <laughs> different than hot dogs? Like more so than hot dogs? No, I guess we never even thought about hot dogs either. I mean, we really? have like brought hot dogs are a main staple. Were you Harris. ever a child? That's what. Well, yeah, but thirty-five years so... ago. Harris has a hot dog like every. Harris has a Harris has a hot dog like every day. <laughs> no, yeah, I, you know, we for a moment. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say they're, they're probably smart. Just they're probably listening to their bodies and just like eating small portions and not eating meat because they're like <laughs> haven't been trained to do differently yet. So we normally yeah. buy turkey dogs. We normally buy turkey dogs. So then we had so I brought over the brought home the leftover the beef ones today and Harris had two of them and was asking for a third one. <laughs> it's like. Maybe the beef ones are a little bit better than the turkey ones that he's been used to. <laughs> hey, more hot dogs. Awesome. No, we, we never did it. Never used them. Never even thought about it. Um, they do a little bit of chicken. Uh, we can get them to eat broccoli from time to time. But lately, it's been mac and cheese. Mac and cheese. Like Harris is kind of off the mac and cheese, at least like the craft box stuff. I mean, they go to Panera mm. on Monday and Tuesday for lunch because they're out there right by one when they do they have swimming lessons on Monday and uh, Little Jim on Tuesday so they're like right across sure. from one but he loves that Panera mac and cheese but doesn't I mean the box stuff he won't even really eat anymore he used to house it for whatever reason just not interested anymore <laughs> just cut it down oh my gosh yeah it's, it's weird I don't know what we're gonna do with them it's weird now they're not even really eating dinner and I guess I really have to check them with the date to see if they I gotta figure out what times they're feeding them, you know? Because that, if they're feeding them, say, like a late lunch, I can understand why they're not really eating, like, 
fit. And so there's some times where I would say, okay, Fran, like, time to go to bed. And then she'd say, oh, I'm hungry. And I know she's just saying that because she's trying to prolong, like, staying up as much as possible. But then there are a couple nights where she's like, I'm hungry. I'm like, okay, what do you want? And I just, like, you know, ham sandwich. And she would just, like, go to town on that thing. Like, she's starving. Like, oh, God. I don't want to. I don't want to starve my children, but sometimes I feel like I might be indirectly doing that. You know what? What I think um, there, there's so I, I I do that. Like I did that as a kid, and I still do that. I eat before I go to bed, not because I'm hungry, but because I want to prolong before I go to bed. Or I just want to like have something, sit down, and like that's like cereal usually because it's like sugar and milk, you know, and carbs, and. Uh, it's funny, Luca does that too. When she doesn't want to go to bed, she'll go and hit her calm and eat a bunch just because she doesn't want to go to bed. <laughs> Same fucking thing. Um, but you should just give them a, give them, if they say they're hungry, just make sure you feed them something that's like, you know, like not their favorite thing in the world. Sure. And then you'll know if they're really hungry or just trying to stay up. <laughs> do... That cereal habit's a dangerous um, one. Do we want to do a start and We're not get into it? I can record a. I can record a header to throw on the front too. I suppose. Um, well, I was going to ask you, Finny, how old is Luca now? Uh, Luca is six. Yeah, oh, really? Six. Hmm? You've had her that long? Uh huh. Yep. God, I can't remember. I, so I suppose she's a labradoodle. Before you moved to Michigan or concurrent? But, um, what, uh, so, uh, should we start out with, like, what, what uh, what have you guys done in the last month that, uh, you're really happy with or proud of or that's been really great? Anybody got anything? Well, I don't think I've really done anything at this point, <laughs> but, um, because I've been and I would talk about this, how bad of a procrastinator I am at this point, but, um, I guess one of the things I had somewhat of a slight realization just to the fact that I want to try to be a little bit more in the moment. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm noticing, you know, the kids are growing up like way, way quicker now at this point. Um, I mean, friends and swim lessons and soccer lessons and dance classes. It's so crazy. Um, all of which, all, all of which is like, well, except for the swimming, but the soccer and dance is just within her daycare, you know, so she gets to just leave for like an hour um, and go and do a couple extracurricular activity things. Um, and I don't want to be those parents that push them into a bunch of different things, but also to kind of what I'm hearing is that you might, excuse me, um, it's almost better to kind of let, you know, try a couple different things and let them see what sticks you know like maybe what they want to do you know Shotgun throw approach. a bunch out there and you know let them decide but with that it just basically is like wow these kids are growing up I need to like try to be in the moment and it's just when you are uh, modern ape trying to just sleep and relax half the time after working in um, you know doing something that you really 
or not programmed to want to even do at this point, which is just to work a job. Um, I just learned to, or well, not learn, but I'm trying to get to a point to at least be a little bit more in the moment to appreciate these times as they're passing by. Obviously, the kids, you know, that's a big time, but just, I mean, life in general. I mean, 35 now, who knows what's going to happen. And the, next, and the way these years go by, it's insane. I mean, I can't believe we're already almost in June, and it feels like just like a blink of an eye, like went by almost. So, I mean, that's kind of the realization. So that's hopefully would be the tiny step to, you know, something greater. That is awesome, Rudy. That is such a good thing to realize and something that you will keep realizing again and again and again the more you try in new ways. And and it is um, something that I'm not great at yet or anything, but it's something I've been working at for for um, for about two years now. And uh, and it, it, it's, it's I'm just learning more about it all the time. And it's just so important because literally. We say all the time, we don't have time, we don't have time, we don't have time. And that may be true in some sense of the world, but that's mm-hmm. literally the only asset that we have. Sure. <laughs> the core asset we all share. We all, yes, yeah, community owned or whatever. It's all the... Well, individually well, no, I owned. I mean, the way you spend your time, like the, sure. what you spend your time doing is... Is what you, it's your effort, it's your it's your existence, it's your reality. <laughs> like, well, and it's part of it's you know obviously coming together you know in the modern world we got the phones and you know the last couple of weeks I'm looking at my like, God I'm looking at this fucking phone and nothing's changed I, I just keep pulling it out and I'm looking at it and I'm looking at the same fucking screen I'm not gaining anything real from I mean obviously I look at it. I, for me, with work, it's kind of like a 24-7 deal. So, you know, if an email comes through or an update or some type of text message, I typically respond. I mean, a lot of guys in my position, as soon as they go get home, they just throw that phone away for the next morning. And you see why some of them are doing that now, but I've just been so programmed to always have that phone on me. But half the time I'm looking at it, I'm not doing anything i'm going to the same stupid websites and seeing the same information that i saw you know five or ten minutes ago <laughs> uh, I don't just know, that was cigarettes ready not on the reg you know but it's every so now do you, for do you remember do you remember when um you smoked cigarettes all the time and <clears> you would smoke a cigarette because you didn't want to do something else like, you didn't want to write an email, you didn't want to do your homework, or you didn't want sure. to deal with a fucking stressful situation, so you just went and smoked a cigarette instead. Sound familiar? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Ben, yeah. ben, you remember doing that? Yep. Yeah, so that's what every single person is doing with their phone, especially with scrolling apps, when they go and look at it most of the time. They are taking a neurologically rewarding behavior that it affects the brain in very similar ways to smoking a cigarette, and they are and they are distracting themselves from whatever it is that they don't want to deal with or think about or do or get around to. And I, I'm not I'm by no means um, cured. I just spent a thousand dollars on a device that I'm trying to beat the addiction Damn. of, which is very upsetting, right? Holy uh, shit! But yeah, no shit, right? 
But I deleted my scrolling apps, like my Facebook or whatever, from my phone mm-hmm. about two, three months ago. I don't know. And I've had them kind of deleted them off and on for a while now. Um, and it, it's like quitting smoking and not. And I was talking to Kirsten uh, the other day after I was kind of coming down on an acid trip about some like realizations that I was having. You know? And uh, and uh, and it was this really great day we spent together. And I was having all these my mind just works at a million miles a minute. And I realized some things that were really useful. And and I what I realized about the way I felt from not having that same dependence on Facebook and my phone and everything as I had before was like that feeling of. Um, you know, what am I gonna like? You know, like what? What else am I supposed to do? You know, like well, you're like you're waiting in line. Well, what else should I do? Well, I'll just scroll on my phone. Well, I'm sitting here waiting for dinner. What else should I do? Well, I can learn about you know the newest mushroom thing. I'll just scroll on my phone to a mushroom page and like, well, uh, what else should I do? Well, I'm taking a shit. I should do this. Well, sure. the, I figured out what else I can do because <laughs> I don't have those on there. So, like, I can think about something that I've been meaning to spend some time thinking about. Or I can get up and maybe clean the kitchen a little bit. Or I can, you know, mostly it's really just think and not engage in an addictive behavior that, like you're saying, isn't overall rewarding, even though it is rewarding the pleasure circuits of our brain. I know they have the, uh, the, the screen time thing you can turn on in your, like, settings so you can kind of track your screen time per app or whatever. It's like I keep looking at that. And it's like I should probably turn that on just so I can oh, uh, need to. quantify how much time I spend on Twitter. But at the same time, it's like I know I spend too much time on Twitter, <laughs> so I should not do that. Also, <laughs> it's, I don't. I don't want to know. It's like the uh, sitting on a breakdown, like how many drinks you have a week or whatever. It's like I know it's too many, but I don't want to like, sit down and do the math. It'll be uh, troubling to myself personally. Uh, I know it's too many, but I don't have a problem with it. You know what? What? What did you say, Rudy? Oh, um, no, I was just goofing with that because, you know, I know I have a drinking problem, but it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but My drinking problem is under control. <laughs> <laughs> my drinking problem is actually a solution. Um, that, that's my bottom The cause of like, and um, solution to all of our problems. <laughs> What I at least come to as far as that this realization of, you know, what's the screen and goofing around with the phones, um, the scrolling and all that goofy stuff, it actually, for me, I, I think, and this is, and you got to imagine, you know, last three years basically dedicating your lives to, like, raising these suicidal maniacs and, like, <laughs> no sleep and all that stuff, but... I really think, and I'm sure other smarter people have already come to this realization, but um, it seems to be that this, the phone and constantly going back to it, checking and scrolling, to me it feels right now that it's like actually really cutting down like my attention span. Yeah, yeah. Like I can't even read, like, I can't even read a, like a legit news article without just all of a sudden just scrolling through it because I feel that I've gotten the gist of it as I've gone through and started reading and then I'll get to the bottom and you know I've read through like a serious news article within 30 seconds and I probably didn't remember anything from it 
I get to the thing where like behavioral scientists who are designing this information to do that to you. I don't mean it's to shorten your attention span, but to make you engage with this as long as possible. They give you little nuggets of information that you can keep with the digest because then you spend more time doing it and they make more money on advertising. I find it difficult to even like sit down and like watch like a sporting event or TV show or something without having, you know, having something else scroll on or looking at something else. It's like I can't. Now there's like multiple things going on at the same time. We're paying attention to multiple things at the same time. We're at the same. You're not. We're, you're not paying attention to either. I guess really. But. Well, yeah. If you got like multitasking. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, go sorry. Ahead. Multitasking is is something we think we can do, but we can't. It's right. like science studies say that you really can focus on one thing at a time. Yeah. That's what I think about. You know, I listen to podcasts at work, or whatever, and so a lot of them. You know, it's not listening to like mission critical things. It's kind of you know whatever bullshit like, you know, movie reviews or you know politic breakdowns. You know, nothing that's gonna like. I'm not trying to learn something. It's more kind of trying to you know catch stuff as it comes sure. by or whatever. Um, but then you know at the same time you know putting in the stuff. So it's, I, I do notice that we're kind of you know focusing on you know trying to figure something out when I you know work thing. And Austin's like, I kind of miss that entire conversation he's had about whatever. It's like oh whatever it doesn't it doesn't matter in the end of it I guess. But yeah, you just move on to the next thing. Like, I get you know there's already some other stimuli that's uh, drawing your attention. Mostly I do it just because. To round up the office noise and everybody's phones ringing and talking on phones and stuff around me. You know that that was kind of one of the things that kind of triggered like a little bit of thought is um, Bridget and I went to this uh, this distillery local place. It's called the Norseman Distillery. They're pretty good vodka. They're pretty good vodka. We put a bottle to cabin. I've been enjoying. Yeah, no, it's they're really good, man. I mean, it's a pretty cool like chill joint, but. Um, it's an industrial warehouse, so like the bathroom's space is limited. So I went to take a piss, and it's a line. It's like a shared line, and there's only two pissers. Um, and I'm just standing there, like, okay, you know, whatever. I got like a good little buzz on. I only had one cocktail. I mean, that's how much of a lightweight I am these days. And um, everyone else in the line had their phone out. And I was like, holy fuck, is this me? In other occasions. But it was just like weird because, you know, I still have something to hold on to if I can, like, stand in line and just, like, stay around and, like, enjoy, like, the buzz and, like, how I'm feeling. But everyone was on their phones just, like, fucking around. Like, holy fuck. It was kind of like, oh, shit. Like, that epiphany of, uh, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe there is something to, like, kind of tuning out or, you know, just getting a flip phone and just not fucking around with that bullshit anymore. I mean, I don't even end... Like, I have that problem that they, that they do, like, sitting in that line. But I'm not even on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. I still have that problem. So that's when I realized something for sure is wrong with me. Hey, realizing is the first step. And, and figuring out how you do something about it is, is an interesting proposition. Because, like, so I've, I've been learning about this stuff lately. I've, I've read a couple books on um internet addiction I actually have listened to them on my phone right but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> kind of meta that's pretty meta uh, but uh, uh, so in, in in treatments there's a one treatment center in the United States that's open for internet addiction and they had to turn it all male because it's fucking guys who've been on the internet for their whole lives so they're all misogynist and shit right the uh, and, uh, <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and so uh, so they they they, they can't 
approach it like 12-step programs, regardless of what you think of the efficacy of 12-step programs, they can't do that because those are abstinence-based approaches. And you cannot ask someone to be abstinent from technology. Yeah, that's impossible. Yeah, so you to figure out how to manage these things. And my thing is, so like for you guys both smoked and stuff, and like for any addiction that you have, oftentimes when you're engaging in it, even if you kind of might know that you shouldn't be doing it or whatever, like you don't really wake up to the fact that you're addicted to something. For me, it was like a decade for each thing. Sure. Like, oh shit, I really have to figure this out, you know? And, uh, and, um, like for me to like, for me, this, you know, not drinking thing has been a, neat thing like I, I've gotten to like enjoy self-improvement and like understand sure. that like I was wrong about a lot of things and that's kind of neat and like uh, and when you're doing that like to wake up I got to go to the hospital you know there's doctors that are like hey if you don't stop this you're going to get in a bunch of fucking trouble no yeah, one's going to do that with people's cell phones addictions no, no. one's going to stop them and say hey this is going to make you have worse relationships with your children and your parents and your you know and and you're not gonna be able to pay attention to the world in the way that you were before you had this and we're people who Mm -hmm. didn't get this introduced to us when we were children if you're a child and you get introduced to that it is this in my mind it is the equivalent of addicting someone to nicotine or whatever an opiate really um uh, a stimulant when they are a baby and, and I actually have thought this about TV for a long time because, you know, we're the generation of ADD. I, I've got a fair amount of it myself. And television presents reality to you in a way that is in little cuts and chops. It is not the way we perceive reality, which is as a continuous flow for the most part. And when you have those little chops and cuts, it's like a little blast of stimulus. It's a new thing happening in your brain. So it's, oh, bang, bang, bang. And as that's accelerated in TV and movies and everything, and then the internet and phones come along, which do that to a whole nother level, it's 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 lowering our tolerance for attention, just like you guys are saying. It's it's, it's yeah, we kind of stimulating the brain. We kind of joke about how you know at night or whatever, before you know after dinner, before Harris put Harris to bed or we go to bed or whatever, time it's like we're like alone together or whatever. You know, you're, you know Harris is watching something on YouTube and you know looking at Twitter. Sam's looking at Facebook. It's like we're all sitting on the same couch, but. We're not, you know, interacting with each other at all or whatever, and there's something else going on TV in the background. But it's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. No, it, it's tough, man. It's, it's stupid. I mean, we went uh, last December with flew to California, and we got on the airplane. You kind of just dropped off there, already. Yeah, I'm here still. Are you trying to talk, Rudy? You're breaking up. Now you're back. Being Alone is a book that speaks to that. Uh, Being Alone Together. And it was written in the late 90s. A very prescient book about our current situation. And that's when that's the, you know, internet was really starting to take off. And, you know, that is very prescient that somebody saw this was going to happen, I guess. They were just talking about TV and, like, modern cultural values at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Rudy, are you back? Yeah, can you hear me? Yep. Yes. Okay. Well, all I was saying is basically we put the kids with the iPad, got them on the flight, cruised in, got back to Cal- or got into California, 
and it was so disrupted. Like the kids were being like out of their element and like kind of in a new environment, and they immediately need, like wanted the phone or the iPad because they had that as kind of like their I don't know their security blanket, pillow, yeah, security blanket on the flight, and they wanted that the whole time we were in California, and we like gave it to them because we. Like we wanted to enjoy our trip. It's out be- yeah, it's better than you know, we went out to dinner tonight, and it's like you start, you know, starting to go a little crazy. You know, it took it was it was pretty slow service. So you're kind of sitting there. It's like you know he's about to turn into a pumpkin. So it's like okay, here here's your PJMS toys or whatever. And so you know just sit down and shut up. You know, so we can kind of just finish dinner and get out of here before you start screaming at everybody. But. Well, and it's, it's kind of part of it too, though. And you know, I'm kind of starting to think about it as well, but. Like, I used to judge, you know, like, so we went, it was, yeah, it was about a year ago, we went to, like, this cool breakfast spot in Minneapolis, and we met some friends of ours that uh, are from Denver, and we show up, all meet up, get into the restaurant, check in, and immediately within sitting down, they had two tablets open for each of, you know, one for each of their kids, and those kids were fucking gone. And I was like, holy shit. Because, like, we opium for the masses. Had, you know, the kids were playing and goofing around. We were interacting, but those kids were on a different planet. And we sat back and, you know, afterwards, you're kind of like just judging the shit out of it. But I can see the need, like, now at this point, because the parenting time is almost, you know, the parent interaction is just as important as the kid interaction you know you interact with the kids all day long but you the parents need that time together to interact or unwind together whatever it may be in whatever setting if it is handing that kid you know that ipad at a restaurant and just like the kid you know the parents enjoying like some semblance of like what it used to be like you know, that's just as equally as important. So I, I, before I was a judgy guy when it came to, you know, throwing that stuff at the kids out in public. Yeah, now I, I, like, I totally understand. I mean, it's, you know, to say, you know, the, you know, there's two sides to this, right? So that, you know, the fact that the three of us go out to dinner, dinner's tough, but, you know, brunch is probably the easiest one for us to do. We go out at like 10 or 11. He's usually, he's been up for a couple hours, you know, kind of had already like breakfast. He kind of gets his thing and then, you know, throw the thing in front of them, the YouTube toys, and then, you know, we can kind of have, a, you know, breakfast, have a couple of drinks, and kind of, you know, catch up or whatever, because, you you know, it's kind of like ships passing the night a lot of them during the week. You know, go get get home around 6, you know, get Harris dinner, you know, make dinner for ourselves, and put Harris to bed, and then it's like 9, 9.30, and it's, you know, watch, you know, an hour of TV together, and then go to bed or whatever. It's, you know, trying to keep, you know, that relationship strong, you know, it's, you know, it was very important. And then the other thing... You know, like I can deal with Harris screaming. You know, at home he's you know whatever, you know, you know he's a pretty he's a good kid, but you know being naughty to some extent or whatever. Now you know whenever you say no to something, it kind of makes him kind of want to like you know lean into it and kind of you know do it more. He was getting a reaction out of you or whatever. So you know a lot of it, especially the planes, is the worst. It's trying to you know in such a small. You don't even know what naughty is at this point. I'm just saying. Um. So a lot of it is also to calm him um, so he doesn't disrupt the other people in the restaurant or the airplane or whatever, you know. So I know this will, you know, chill him out for whatever the half hour, 45 minutes, you know, just to get through this. Um, so 
people aren't you know, looking at us being like, you know, can you believe these assholes brought this kid out or whatever, you know? But, um, so that's, that's kind of too, you know, it, it, it is kind of a, you know, I say cheap way, but, uh, uh, it is kind of a backfall or, you know, backfall that's, you just fall into it. It's like, you know, okay, starting to, like today at dinner, you're trying to crawl on the table and kind of running around the aisles. It's like, hey, you know, the servers are rocking around with hot plates and glasses and all this stuff. And it's like, okay, you just got to sit down, buddy. So the way to get him, to keep him in the seat is to, you know, throw YouTube in front of him or whatever and just kind of shuts up and sits down and kind of everybody else can kind of get on with their, have an enjoyable Saturday night out and not get screwed up by our assholes. Do you guys get mad, or even before you had kids, did you do then or now you get upset when kids or with parents who bring unruly kids to restaurants? I don't know how I historically felt about it, quite honestly. Um, I know about planes, and I I was always like, you know, the, you know the, nobody feels worse about a kid acting up in public than the parents. You know, usually we're doing everything we can to stop it, you know, I mean, but... And so I, especially now now more than ever, I I, I would never get upset with somebody out in a restaurant. You know, depending, I guess, on the restaurant, right? If it's like Manny's, maybe. You know, if you're at your dining grill, no. You know, it's kind of the what level of, you know, would I bring Harris today to Manny's, you know, on a Saturday night at 8 o'clock? No. That's a terrible idea. But would I get, you know, would would we go to your dining grill at 5.30 and, you know, and maybe kind of run around a little bit? It's kind of their niche. That's kind of their market. Um, so I guess uh, there's some there, but Rudy, you know. did you do you? Yeah, Rudy. Well, the reason I ask is because I've never been someone who's been upset with kids in restaurants, and I spent a lot of time in restaurants, and I don't have kids or anything. I also spent a lot of time in restaurants as a child, um, but I think maybe one of the things that could be a solution rather than. Um, uh, trying to, to have to pacify the kid is stop feeling bad about the disruption. It's tough. I just don't... I, I'm not saying it's easy, but it's... The, the fear of other people's judgment might be another thing that's going along with modern-day society. That's 100%. That's 100%. We introduce ourselves to discomfort. That's, a, that's 100%. It. I mean, it's... Yeah, I mean... The, the, the plain one is the one that... Um, that's... You, you, you know, usually, basically the only time to really fly with Harris now would be going to see family, right? Who live long, who live far away. And driving is not, doesn't make sense or ever, because that would be even worse, I'm sure. Um, so it's, you know, I under, you know, people aren't, so I get the, you know, I would never at this point be upset with a kid acting up on a flight or an airport or whatever, because I understand the parents feel worse about it than anybody and you know they're trying to go have fun with friends and family and you know it's trying to this is just the it gets a little stressful you know we're gonna go on for we're gonna we're gonna go to a beach vacation for a week but there's gonna be you know a six hours on the front end and six hours on the back end they're gonna be an absolute nightmare and that you know doesn't ruin the trip but it's you know the, there's some dread on both ends of it you know it's kind of the you kind of dread getting down there then you get down there and you have fun and then it's like oh god you know now you gotta go back and this is but um, it, it 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 passes, I guess. It, it's just, and again, you're being you're caring about the judgment of people you will never ever see ever again in your entire life. 
then they might not care as much as you think. I would imagine. I think that's true. I think that's true. Well, it's funny you bring that up, Penny, because I was actually, I had that same mental conversation, like, a couple days ago. So, um, me and one of my co-workers, we met up for lunch, and um, we go and order. It's kind of one of those fast, casual places. You sit down, you know, they bring it to your table. And we're sitting there, we're talking about work, all that stuff. And it was, and obviously it was lunchtime, so it was kind of busy. And we were in one of the suburbs of uh, the Twin Cities. And uh, <laughs> we're sitting there talking, and all of a sudden, like, out of left field, just like this kid screaming in my ears. Dude, they're sitting in the booth behind us. And immediately, my, like, initial judgment is like, Shut that fucking kid up! Ridiculous, <laughs> you know. But clearly, you did not like it when you were a pre child. <laughs> that was that was my initial reaction. Like, goddamn, I'm trying to fucking talk here. Like, I've just got serious shit to discuss. And shut your fucking kid up. But then, as soon as as soon as I said that, I was like, okay, like, yeah, I get it. I've been that asshole. Like, I get it. Like, you know what? I can't even get mad. And and truthfully, you know. And my kids definitely seem to cry a lot more than others. That's just my observation. Um, but, like, so, like, kids crying, like, doesn't even, like, affect me, like, that much anymore. Um, my kids could be crying all day long. And I'm sitting there just like, okay, whatever, let's go, come on, you know, like, put your shoes on, no big deal. Like, yeah, you're crying, I get it. Like, you, okay, you want some apples? Yeah, here's some apples. You want some cherries? Okay, whatever. Oh, you're not? Gonna, you know, give your brother a hug? Good night. Okay, well then you're going to timeout. Let's do it right now. I don't care. So I kind of in that in that matter, unfortunately. But um, so that it was kind of funny because like, like sitting down, it's you know I'm at work, so like I have that distance, or I like at least in my head I should have that distance. So um, you know, as soon as the kid starts crying, motherfucker, this is bullshit. But then yeah, I think about it for a moment. I'm like, okay, yeah. I know how that goes. But that was, that's hilarious that you brought that up. Uh, cool. Well, I'm glad that it was irrelevant. <laughs> ben, what about you? Have you had anything that has been really um, exciting to you or that you've done well or that's happened to you that's good in the last month? Um, I th- not. I, was pretty, um, I would just say we're uh, summer here is officially here, I guess, or unofficially here. Being able to go to the cabin um, last weekend... Went on a pontoon boat on Saturday, and it was not... We did, like, a half cruise and then chugged home. It was not... It was just kind of the get-out-to-say-you-got-out kind of thing or whatever. My grandparents' pontoon. And then our friends are up there. They're on Little Detroit. So we went over there Sunday morning. And it got really nice on Sunday. Um, sunny, 70s. So we went across the lake and went over to the park at the uh, by the pavilion played with the kids and then went over to the bridge and had lunch I don't know if <coughs> they remodeled the bridge the long bridge you know and it's uh, really I'm nice I'm aware of that but I'm not sure <coughs> if it's in there or not it's, there's like a second story there's tons of tables oh, outside no. there's a like a playground so we hang out there for a couple hours and it was, it was just a fun lake day it was great that's awesome that's so cool. Oh, that, that is a thing to be thankful for in itself in the last month. I think that's really awesome. Yeah, so we've been doing this. Um, I think I talked about this last pod or whatever, but um, the potty training stuff 
it's going great. And it's like, you know, I said, you know, all of a sudden kind of a light switch. It was, you know, I kind of think a lot of stuff is kind of more gradual, but this was just a legit, like a light switch. Like, oh, I care about this now. So as a hair, you know, as Harris, it's like, so this is something that I'm aware of. And I know I can, under, I can understand my body now kind of thing or whatever. Um, so this was our first cabin trip without diapers, you know, so it's kind of like, okay. So, you didn't bring any? No, I mean, we, but you know, he wasn't wearing one. He still wears like a pull up at night, but you know, he was just wearing underwear like in the car. So it's like, okay, you have to be like aware yeah. of, you know, so like every time we're going past, you know, a stop at a gas station or a rest stop, you know, I was like, you know, you don't get that much, you know, you know probably get also it's like, oh shit, there's a rest stop, you know, like, I'm like 10 seconds, like, give you a potty? You're like, no, I was like, okay. So the way up, it was the three of us and then Will went up with us. So we got all the way through Pelican Rapids and we were um, probably a mile or probably a mile south uh Dunvilla. And I was like, I go to potty. And it's like, okay. Um, I was like, I think, I was like, it was like just after nine. I was like, okay, there's a gas station coming up. Um, we'll stop there. So we pull in there and they're closed. It's like, okay, um, let's just pull off the road a little bit here and Harris, we're going to go potty in the grass. So then he's like, yeah. Just you know, just went to the ditch and just pulled his pants down and peed and put him back in the car. So you know, we're what fifteen minutes in the cabin at that point, or twenty minutes or whatever. So I was like, but you know, when they say I have to go, it's like I don't. I mean, like right now, you know, I have max capacity. So then coming back on Monday, um. There's a little bit of construction. They're doing a redoing a bridge just west of Alex. So they got it down to one lane for about ten miles or something. So we're getting up like literally like just about to enter the construction. There's one more exit before the construction, and it's just it's just dead stopped. And I'm like just coming up to the exit. And he's like, I gotta go potty. So like you know, like if he had said it like a minute later, we would have been like just stuck in traffic for like whatever however long. But I ended up pulling off. Um, so he's pulling out. It's like there's nothing there. It's just a, it's one of those entrances before Alex or west of Alex. There's you know there's no there's a there's a part a town probably ten miles you know one way or the other on the road, but there's nothing immediate. So I'm kind of driving on this county road or whatever, and it's like everything's a driveway. I'm just looking to pull off on a road just to go in the ditch again or whatever. Um, and there's just all these houses. And okay, finally here's the first road. It's like go into it. I'm just gonna there's a little you know uh, cut a farm drive. So I just pull into it to turn around just so I can some point the right way. So I. The pull in starts to turn it back up to turn around, and Sam was like, "This guy's just staring at us." I was like, "What?" So I look up, and there's this guy like in his like his field, like thirty yards in front of us, is like giving us a death stare. It's like, I, like you know, <laughs> trespass or whatever by turning around in his like driveway. He's like, "All right, so let's keep going." So I go to like another like I don't know half mile on the road and pull off, and then he goes again and over, but and then at another stop. Uh, at a rest stop, it was you know I was like, hey, rest stop, I'm just gonna stop. You know, we're pretty. It was like in Maple Grove, that one right there, right Maple Grove. Just stop, but so it's uh, but that was a uh, another worry about how is this gonna go, right? You know, this is a new to us, this is new to him. You know, everybody in the car for four hours. You know, how are we gonna figure out the the one of the bathroom brother potty situation? But as a boy, you know, being able to just pull off on the pull off and pee in the ditches was advantageous for us this time. He also peed off the pontoon twice, which was a lot of fun for him. Nice. But, so we were on our... That's really exciting in a boy's life, that in one weekend he peed outside and up a boat for his first time. Peed outside twice, peed off the boat twice, yeah. <laughs> it was so funny, we were with our friends who have a daughter who's like a month younger than him. Um, 
so we were just chugging over to the, uh, to get lunch, and uh, he's like, I think a potty! It's okay, so you put it in stop, and I take him to the front of the boat, and pees off, or whatever, and then the, the dad was like, hey, you know, Sloan, do you have to go potty? And the mom was like, Tyler! You know, do not encourage that, or whatever. It's for the girl, it's like, it's like, it's like well, it looked like Harris was having fun. It's like, we were not, Sloan is not going to the bathroom off the boat. It's like, no, I, I hear you on that one because you with Elliot. Um, he, I mean, obviously he's younger than Harry, but at the daycare they're just like, yeah, he keeps just taking his pants off and his diaper off all the time. And like, part of me just wants to say, well, he's a he's a boy. Like, what's he gonna do? It's like constantly taking his pants off. Oh, Harris loves yeah. running around the house and again. But I mean, what's Brian? I mean, she was. God, Fran was potty trained by like 18 months. She was going to the bathroom on her own, like no problem. You know, it's just insane. So, I mean, well, how old is Harris at this point? Three and two months, three, almost three months. Okay, okay, that's a, yeah, I guess, yeah, I suppose. I, for whatever reason, women and girls they seem s- to for sure be smarter than they that. say that girls are so much easier to potty train and I have no idea why it is but they say girls are potty trained usually we say boys are somewhere between two and three and girls are somewhere between one and two and it's like I don't nobody knows why that's just kind of how the it's kind of normal I guess for whatever reason oh yeah Fran cruised through that I mean she was out of diapers like 100% I and mean, no bedwetting nothing for like a solid year at this point um, she's a rock star and we're just like telling mm, hopefully he catches up on I don't know we'll see what happens but you know I mean it's just weird the progression with like a girl and a boy I mean for a long time with Elliot we thought like man maybe he's gonna be riding that short bus I don't know cause you know we based it off of Fran right cause she came first and she just Blues through everything, progress, putting things together, vocabulary, everything. And with Allie, it's like, oh, dude, are you going to talk? Are you going to say something? Like, oh, please. Like, and then, you know, um, he's just over two now, and, you know, probably, yeah, I'd say like three months ago, just all the words just came, like, blurring out, which was awesome. But there's still, you can tell, like, you're, like, way behind where Fran was at this point. So, but I guess, you know, it, it is definitely true. It seems everyone has their own pace. Yeah. Um, girls, I think uh, uh, girls might be quicker to do that because they're just inherently more in touch with their own biology. Mm-hmm. Um, like, their bodies, you know, they have to listen to them their lives in a different way than we do. Makes uh, sense. Maybe, yeah. Who knows, yeah. Um, it's just, just a thought. Yeah. But, uh, That's bro science. That's bro science right there, for sure. Yeah, it, no, it's not a science. It's just a Idea. You say well, bro science? Um, bro science, yeah, you gotta look that up. You know <laughs> I do not engage in bro science. I have <laughs> some interesting scientific ideas to talk to you about this evening, but I don't consider them bro science. Um, uh, but Rudy, I want to tell you this story about development in my own life. So you know how like I'm a pretty good reader and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, you know, I was in special ed all throughout. Um, you know, elementary and, and high school, you know, all the way through, and both my sisters were. And I was put in special ed in first grade um, because primarily because of my poor fine motor skills that I couldn't really write and I still really can't, um, and because of my bad reading. Uh, I, I really couldn't read or, or I still can't spell. Um, 
and I was in a special slow reading class first and second grade. But in third grade, I got a, a teacher that was just incredible and just like, you know, introduced me to, to reading in a new way. And by fifth grade, I was reading at a college level. Um, so, <laughs> so that whole development thing, people take their own pace. Uh, it's absolutely true. I can tell you that. Oh, I, I, yeah, I remember your mom showing me that photo of you reading uh, The Firm. And you were, <laughs> God, how old were you? I was like 10. Yeah, it's just something ridiculous. You're reading like The Firm, like, holy shit. I couldn't even understand the movie with Tom Cruise at that point. The movie's bad. And you're sitting there reading the book. Um, no, and I get that for sure. I mean, there's definitely something to that, even with the kids. I mean, Fran is concocting ideas in her head and playing like story time now and she remembers everything there is not a moment or anything that goes by that she doesn't remember at this point which is hilarious but with Allie it's kind of like yeah, maybe he's getting it maybe not but that's alright because he's still trying he's still trucking every day so we're happy the thing I know is Harris that I don't necessarily have this ability is to pick up you know he can't read obviously so if I was to learn a song I would have to be able to read it and probably use have the mm-hmm. lyrics in front of me to sing it. I know I, mean, I know this, but Harris, you know, can watch these Disney movies or whatever, and just from listening to it, I'm sure you know he listens to it a bunch. But it can, he can sing like full Disney songs, start to finish, and then do all like the choreography along with it or whatever too. <laughs> it's just you know he's able to absorb all this stuff. It's like that's you know not. It's just it's just kind of crazy. It's, it's, so we were at a friend's house last night, and it was, he was doing like performances where he just you know sings songs to the group or whatever it was just so funny he does like the whole you know sings like the I Am Moana song or whatever from Moana obviously and but does all like the you know various dance moves or whatever you want to call it she does with it or like the Frozen Let It Go she does he can do all the you know moves it's just so funny watching him just like he just absorbs uh, oh, yeah. the whole performance and just you know can repli- replicate it on the band basically well remember Will Will was was like that with with dinosaurs or oh, science, anything yeah, like yep, that. Yep. And and you know, I actually think that relates to what Rudy was talking about earlier and mindfulness, right? Because your son has doesn't have the same conception of like time that we do, right? Oh, absolutely. And he doesn't have to worry about what's coming up or not thinking about what already happened all that much, and therefore he is he is in the moment and able to use his brain in a more capable way than we are in certain ways so everything his frame of reference for time at least everything that happened in the past happened either yesterday or last year and everything that is to happen happens, <laughs> is, is, is happening tomorrow just like you know we go to like i don't know went to a uh i ran to the corner store last night to grab a, uh, a red onion for a salad we're gonna make or something and he's like me and mommy went here last year and it's like yeah you guys went here like yeah the other day or something but it's you know it's Everything that happened in the past was, you know, it was either yesterday or last year, and then everything else in the future is like, are we going to go to Grammy's cabin tomorrow? It's like, yeah, we're going to go up there in like three weeks. He goes, okay, cool. We're going up there tomorrow. It's kind of funny. That's why being mindful can that, like change your perception of reality radically and uh, alter, like, affect your cognitive abilities and make you essentially smarter in certain ways because you're not thinking about the things that have happened and already happened in a way that's like unhelpful yeah yeah 
Well, I've been so I I, I want to talk about my thing if you guys don't mind. Are you ready? <laughs> go. Um, For sure. I've had a thing. very buckle in. Month. Uh, yeah. yeah here we go. Back. Get your mushroom hats on. Let's go. <laughs> oh, you bet, dude. Uh, so I guess the two most exciting things this month. One, I um, went to Madison, Wisconsin, and went to a conference on oh, yeah. psychedelic therapy in society yep. uh, that was with, like, uh, university professors and all kinds of uh, researchers and people who are very serious about um, getting these things approved for, uh, for wellness. And, and they, they actually um, was pretty clear that psilocybin, the main ingredient in, in magic mushrooms is going to be approved by the FDA um, for treatment resistant depression very soon, like within the next few years, by the most. And that was only the second most exciting thing that happened to me this month. Bam! <laughs> uh, I also have done some learning, done some reading. I've watched a lot of YouTube videos on plant intelligent lately, and I have come to believe through um, both scientific um, knowledge, which I will share some of, and also just people's personal testimony, who I I find credible, um, that plants are intelligent, conscious, sentient, and... um, you may be able to communicate with them if you know how and try or and practices. Holy shit. You're not gonna tell me the world's fine too, by the way. Right? <laughs> no, but I am gonna tell you that what I'm just that led I'm me just to believe I'm just is that no, it's fine. Uh, what that led to me believe in, in through this process of like uh, um becoming a, awakened to this or whatever, like mm-hmm. is that um like the basic premise of something that I thought about the world is wrong. <laughs> and that is very exciting. Um, it's going to be hard for me to break this down in like a, a coherent manner, but I'm, I'm going to try. Um, so I'm going to start with this study. So um, I came across this study in Michael Pollan's book, How to Change Your Mind, but it was about, and, and this little section wasn't about psychedelics, it was just about like plant intelligence, and because and, uh, he's done another book on that. And he referenced this researcher, Monica Gagliano. And she has um, done these experiments, this is one of them, um, that is a mimosa plant. And mimosa plant, it looks like a little fern, kind of. Um, but vodka it responds or vodka, to touch. Uh, Sorry. What was that, Ben? Uh, orange juice and champagne. Mimosa, right? Wrong. No, not the cocktail. <laughs> Sorry. Did I, I made that joke myself. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, uh, the, the mimosa plant, it's a little firm, but it, it's really cool. It, it responds to touch. So this plant, it's been like famous for thousands and thousands of years uh, because it, when you touch it, its leaves fold up. And if you really like jostle it, it'll oh, actually wow. like wilt and fall down. And it does this as a defensive mechanism, right? Um, Look, oh, sorry. You're saying the leaves will actually like fall off? No, they don't fall off. So they okay. wilt, um, like, okay. but not like a wilting, like, like a normal plant. It's like very quick. It like if you, you you can YouTube it right now if you want. Just look at mimosa plant, and they they like it's almost like a, a Venus flytrap or something. The way that it moves Ooh. that quickly, but it looks like a fern, and they just kind of curl up when you touch them. Um, and and so what they wanted to do was see if this plant like if it's doing that. 
for reasons of like you know something's like gonna eat it or something so it looks less appealing by drooping like it's expending energy to do that and how does it kind of like know what's a threat and what isn't does it learn that right can it remember stuff so um you know we have brains and neurons and all that stuff and we think that to learn and to think we have to have those because that's how we do it right um but so what they did with this plant is they put it in a pot and they wanted to expose it to a stimulus that it would never find in nature so they dropped it in a little controlled drop 15 centimeters and when they did that the plant curled up because it was like, what the fuck's going on, man? <laughs> this, is, this, is, this, is, this is something I've never checked out. It might hurt me. I should curl up, is the, is the thinking, right? And so then they, in this experiment, they keep dropping it, though, repeatedly. And after about the second drop, at the second drop, it still curls up. But the third, fourth drop, it stops curling up and starts to uncurl. And it keeps going for 60 drops. And, you know, after you know, 20 of them, it's completely open and it's just hanging out being normal like a normal plant and so that would imply that it's habituating uh, to its environment it's learning what's going on as an individual plant and then reacting in a different way so then what they did is they later that afternoon they wanted to see like hey well if it learned that will it remember it and so they did the same experiment and the plant doesn't close its leaves so that implies that it's learning something right yeah um and then, and then they take it, and a couple days later, they do it again. And the plant still doesn't close its leaves. And they do it a month later, and then the plant closes its leaves. Uh, or no, excuse me, a month later, it still does not close its leaves. So it remembers a month later that this stimulus is not a threat to it. Um, that's kind of a way we've never thought about plants before, is learning on an individual basis. Um, and then there's other 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 um, experiments that she did, and some that other people have done. It's not just this one researcher. Uh, and for instance, um, they put uh, two corn stalks in isolated boxes. Excuse me, corn seedlings. And in these two isolated containers, they're right next to each other, but they are have no contact with the other plant. There is no air exchange. There is so there's no pheromones they can go through. There's no you know the soil's not touching. It's in a little vacuum sealed container, but they are right next to each other because they they want to see if, you know there's the, the people say plants grow differently when they're together than when they're alone. So they want to see if they know that they're together somehow, and so they had them together in a situation like that and they had one that was just by itself and when they are together they grow towards each other even though there's no gas exchange they're not in the same soil the roots grow towards each other in this little two isolated boxes so they said how are they doing that why are they doing that so they thought they can't exchange water there's no mycelium connecting them there's no roots touching there's no gas that can be exchanged what are they doing well, it, this woman's a biologist. She's not a plant scientist. So she went and she she's applying like the methods of studying animals. And in the animal world, sound is a, is a is a given. Like everything communicates with sound, so you account for it. But in the plant world, no one accounts for that because plants don't have ears, you know. And so so she started to see if plants respond to sound. So and not music, not like playing music. That's not what it is. So she took sure. a laser. And she, this very sensitive laser, and she pointed at the root tip of a, um, I think it was a corn plant in this case as well. And they, uh, and they, they saw by this laser measuring the, free, like the vibration of this root tip 
that it was emitting the sound between 200 and 400 hertz, which is crazy. We didn't know plants made sounds like that. Um, and so then if it's making a sound, well, then maybe it uh, responds to sound as well, which is like why it would make it, you know? So they took that same laser and they shot a sound at that root tip. And they did it, you know, in this wide range. And the range it responded to was between 200 and 400 hertz and started to grow towards that sound. Um, so we now know that plants hear and make sounds to communicate. So they're learning, they're making sounds. Um, and there's a number of other studies that go in. One's called a Pavlov P, where they show a Pavlovian response in peas, right? Where you're, they're anticipating light based on a separate cue, wind. So all these things are showing towards plant intelligence, which is just this really cool concept. But then I started YouTubing this woman and like listening to her talk, and she just has a way with words that I really enjoy. And after, after you know, kind of seeing what she was kind of hinting at, she started to say in, in some of these um, speeches that were in certain contexts, hey, just so you know, I just wrote this book, and all these experiments I'm doing, I'm doing them because the plants told me to. Oh, shit. Like, she had a vision that was drug-free that she should go to Peru and see this guy in this hut. And so she went there and she found this guy she imagined in her dream and she went on these dietas and that dieta is a diet of plants um that they do in in the in the jungle and so they um they'll they, since you put you in a hut by yourself with a, a shaman who comes by or whatever and you consume you know you don't have any sex you don't talk to many any people you don't you know you, all you eat is like bland rice and beans and this one plant um and then after you know 15 days or a month of doing that the plant will like speak to you and you will communicate with it on like a daily basis <laughs> and 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 some of you know a lot of times these are done with ayahuasca right so there is a hallucinogenic okay. drug involved but they're not always and she did she said like you know, three experiences with the peruvian shamans native shamans like one, a couple with them a couple with you know different tribes or different places so they're not primarily drug experiences but they are these consuming of plants and long like kind of you know tasks that you do and in all the cases she said she communicated with plants and they were just like hey go and learn about us they're like okay you need to show people that they we are sentient beings and that you can learn from us so that we can all stop breaking this planet that we live on please you know and 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 we can help you with that you know we want to help you so you need to do these experiments in this way and like told her what plants to use and like all this shit and to me, it is very credible. Like, I know it sounds really crazy, and I'm not the kind of person to just jump on some kind of woo-woo spiritual fucking bandwagon, even though I stopped drinking. I'm not that kind of, that's not what I do. But, like, it just feels real to me, and I am going, I'm going to go on a limb here and tell you both that within uh, not just our lifetimes, within the next 20 years, it will be considered at least marginally scientific accepted fact that people talk to plants and communicate with them. That's how serious this is. And, oh, and I believe, like, shit. I'm going to try to do it. So I'm going to try to do it. I'm going to try to learn to do it and, like, learn to listen to them, rather. Um, and, and so it's really changed my whole, like, like, you guys know I spend a lot of time with plants and I grow mushrooms and weed and all this shit. Like, so, like, Mine I've, don't. I've never thought about this way. And so, like, this, knowing that I'm wrong about this basic concept of the world is so liberating and cool. It's like, what else could I be wrong about? Let's find out, you know? <laughs> like, what if I'm wrong about 
like the thing that I hate myself about the most. You know, we all have that thing, something, or things. You know, what if that's wrong? What if my own limitations that I've placed upon myself are incorrect? And so um, I've been thinking a lot about more of the way I spend my time and, and just trying to tell people about this because it's, it's brand new to me. But I'm literally just finished this book, and I'm going to start over from the beginning and read it again. <laughs> I've always thought you, about like, create an audio file so I can listen to you reading the book. <laughs> no. <laughs> I've always thought about the Venus flytrap that you mentioned earlier as you know, how can there be right um, and uh, predator that's a plant um, that just seems to like not make any sense, I guess. Without any, you know, consciousness behind it, I guess. Or a carnivorous plant, carnivorous plant that just solely just is based on whatever the tickles the, you know, whatever the mycelia, whatever you call it, you know, and they close up and then just dissolve. It's like this. There's that's always never made sense to me. Like, is this? Well, you know what that implies in learning, Ben, is counting. Venus flytraps can count. So it, the mycelia is a fungus. It's the, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but um, it's a little hair, essentially. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Inside yeah. the Venus flytrap. Yeah. And it expends a lot of energy for Fl- these flagella? plants to move, no. right? Yep. So when you're going to expend that energy, you have to make sure that you're not wasting it. And if every time something like brushed against there, they close up, they would die from that lack of energy or not thrive, right? Mm-hmm. So they have to trigger two hair triggers, right? Um within a certain time frame and i can't remember it's a couple seconds or whatever and if they do that they'll close but if you do one and wait a while and do one they won't so that implies these plants are counting how does a plant count without neurons and and without a brain right we don't know we don't know but like so there's this whole thing about trees trees um when they're transplanted um as not like bare root but like as an older tree don't behave the same way as trees that are grown from seed and the reason is we've given them a lobotomy those roots probably function as a portion of like their brain mm-hmm. and they, we've like cut off a bunch of it it's like the well, were- no, werewoods in westeros oh go ahead the werewoods in westeros you can they're a whole network they can talk with each other don't ruin it don't ruin it i don't want to i haven't seen it yet i don't want the that's ending real. yeah that's a real thing trees do talk to each other it's just, myself. That's not about to do with the ending it's just a a plant that lives in the rest of us you haven't seen the last episode yet <laughs> rudy what no, don't, don't, it was probably don't blow time, it man. don't blow it where are you where are you <laughs> don't blow it how no cur- spoilers here how current are you <laughs> no what's that how current are you uh, I I haven't been able to watch the last season because Bridget uh, just doesn't have time to watch TV, so she won't let me watch it without her. Otherwise, I would have been all the way through it at this point. Well, it's not great. I decided not to watch it with the world because I don't like getting swept up in hype or whatever. I've watched all the seasons up until that point, but like I didn't, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of hype, so I was just like, fuck that. I'm not watching with this with everybody. I'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I was going to say is, like, being someone who's, like, not really into the whole organized religion category, I'm almost more inclined to believe that we are more biologically connected than we are anything else. So your idea of trees speaking to each other or, like, us being able to communicate with that, I God, what was it? There's something... 
I can't remember what it was, but there was, I saw there was like a book or somebody talking about how like every time we breathe, we inhale like an atom or a particle or something from like that shared space with the dinosaurs or Napoleon. God damn it. Um, She literally said that the trees tell her how the way they have knowledge from us is because we share oxygen with them through water and and carbon dioxide breaking down between the two yes and that is how they have learned of us that is i don't know if that's a shared idea with somebody or but that's what she said yeah um and the way she talks about like time is is just so interesting so the stuff you're talking about being mindfulness she says like that literally like we perceive reality incorrectly because of our sense of time is no longer based on the time that is with us in this place when I'm when we coordinated this phone call, we had to figure out a shared time that is different from one another to do that. And that's just mm-hmm. one example of how like right now I'm not in my basement. I'm in Minnesota with you guys, you know. Sure. And when I was you know, when I'm thinking about my work week, I'm not with my wife. You know, mm-hmm. like and that lack of presence, what she says, which is fucking mind blowing, is that we are trans-dimensional beings and we are unable to transcend time and space in the way that we would be able to if we did not have this sense of time that was outside of our current locale and was more based on the reality of day, night, winter, fall. Yeah. Sure. So I think you're talking about... If talking about plants seeing time differently, um, not to keep bringing this back to fantasy, but... um, the, the, the ends in the yeah. Lord of the Rings. Um, do they have? I mean, they have no concept. Of, our time doesn't matter to them, right? We talk about how to say anything in Entish takes like days or years to like say a sentence, just because for them time, uh, all of time is available to them or whatever. Yeah, you know that's what she talks about. So I don't know. Not ends, but. <laughs> But Quiet. yeah, it's the same idea, is that they perceive time so much differently, so that, like, we aren't... The reason we haven't noticed this shit about them as science, or whatever, is because they're just on a really different time scale. Right. So, like, we... And we're thinking about our business, like, we're thinking about how we get this corn to all get up in a row so we can get in a machine easier, not, is it talking to me? You know? <laughs> like, Correct. But if you look throughout stories, whether you're talking about modern-day fantasy, like what you're saying, Ben, or or um, any indigenous culture story throughout all of the planet, people talk to plants. All this shit, it, the stories exist for a reason. When a story is, uh, even if it's like an iconography, like a bigger idea represented, and they're repeated and repeated and repeated, there's a reason that cultures keep these stories around, just like there's a reason they keep genetic traits around, because they work. Um... And, and, and when, you know, I'm, I'm well prepared for people to tell me this is like fantasy or science fiction, right? But that's fine. Um, any uh, modern, not even modern technology, any, any technology that you think about was science fiction not that long ago. I'm not just talking about cell phones or planes or cars, but like a, a bandsaw. You know? The cotton gen. <laughs> that all was science fiction not that long ago. Um, so what? So what? So what? Science fiction. Yeah. You talk about you know the historical myths or lore or whatever, um, and across 
various peoples and continents and whatever, you know, there are story, you know, the story itself is different, but the base uh, lore is, you know, shared and common, you know. So there is, um, there is a truth, right? And that's just kind of how people, um, I guess, interpret it or, or and then uh, uh, develop the explanation around it, I guess, based on what knowledge is available at the time, which at that point in time was not a lot, I guess. Well, maybe it wasn't a lot. Maybe it was a lot. Maybe it's just different than what we have now. You know, it's just a different yeah. method of understanding yeah. the world. Yeah. I mean, what I believe about the world, very little is through my direct observation of it. Although that obviously forms my, my, my beliefs. Like, when I tell you that um, someone did this shit with plants, I didn't do it. I didn't see it. When I tell you that, uh, you know, um, how the internet works, like, I don't really know. I just type in shit on a it's box. A series of like, tubes. You know, like it, what? It's a series of tubes. Yeah, it's a series of tubes, you know? But, like, <laughs> my understanding of the world is just me trusting what other people tell me. So... It's being well, able... And, the, the, like, an indigenous or person a long time ago, their understanding of the world was based on what other people told them but those people probably saw the thing they're telling them about yeah so you know it's, what I mean it's, like it's, it's direct observational experience it's just a different method for learning I guess the combination of listening to others and also having the filter to trust the right people if that makes sense yeah yeah oh, exactly sure. I mean they say we're better at doing that than anything else you know like we can put all of our hearsay and whatnot and our own beliefs into it but like at the core of like who we are we can detect bullshit a mile away without any problems whatsoever really where did you hear that oh god well oh well it goes to um uh, joe rogan uh, i think no i'm not gonna reference joe rogan even though i love him we, we don't, i don't need to reference him in every single podcast but I really mushrooms and joe rogan are the, are the uh the thoroughfares of this podcast uh, i guess what i was referring to is uh Malcolm Gladwell's book the, uh, it has something to do with the gut instinct you know your gut instinct is probably your best go of anything in any situation whatsoever going with your gut is going to be better than any over analysis or trying to sit back and think about something maybe over analyze just going with your gut maybe that's filled with some type of mushroom related bacterium Maybe uh, it's not. Yeah. Um, the 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 not that a lot of our kind of uh, neurological activity sort of takes pl- its place in our our gut. That that's not exactly the scientific way to say it. Uh, but it, like that, there is kind of a thought point on there. Your, your, is, is an idea that your, is expanding in science. Your base instinct is usually correct. Um. So the gut thing is interesting because, uh, so like people obviously have a huge capacity for self-deception however going with your gut is the best move that that's also true and knowing how to tell the difference is is the hard part what's your gut and what's your do you think that kind of comes back do you think that kind of comes back to your kind of prehistoric lizard brain where you kind of fight or flight you know i gotta make this decision instantaneously or i die you know type of thing that, that's part of it, but, you know, they say, you know, say, like, take a jury trial, for instance. Um, eyewitness accounts are 
courtship from when, oh, terrible, you know, yeah. when you actually look at it, you know, and you know, eyewitness accounts are absolute garbage. Um, and part of that, I believe, is related to the fact that when you actually recall a memory, you change it. Yeah. Every time you recall that memory, it, it changes. So over time, like a gut instinct in that moment is probably the best thing you could ever do having to recall something over and over again as like you know time progresses is you know garbage but i don't know it's weird it's so weird yeah the, yeah, the more you remember it the worse you at least accurate you are um but uh the, so the gut deceiving yourself and like bad decisions in the moment or good decisions in the moment what this i've heard about that is that so we may do heuristics all the time where we're taking a ton of information, but we really filter most of it out because if you paid attention to all of it, you, would, you, you wouldn't be able to, you know? And, and Paralysis by overanalysis. Yes, right? And, and just, that not even, just not even like thinking about something, but like walking down the street, if you pay attention to everything, you wouldn't be able to walk. Like you wouldn't be able to get hit by a car. You, there's like the, the bird over there. There's that sound. You just drown that shit out. Paralyzed. Possible. Yeah, you'd be paralyzed. And so when we are overwhelmed with far more information than we have ever had to process in the past, and that's, again, not just the internet, but like street signs and like a car is going to hit me and like all this crazy <laughs> shit. And time, mostly time. Right, the thought of time being so much shit in the future and past, we make worse decisions. Um, you only have so much mental capacity, and you just don't realize it's slipping away. Um, like they talk about, you know, Bill Gates or not Bill, Steve Jobs wearing the same clothes every day because if you have to take the time to make these decisions, you don't have the mental capacity for deciding something important later on because you were decided by what color pants to put on that morning. And I, I became aware of this, or remembered this, rather, right after I just bought three different colored pairs of Carhartt pants. And I'm kind of regretting it. I should have just gone with one color Carhartt pant <laughs> and stuck with it. Definitely a big letdown. You know like the Carhartt store in Minnesota now? Oh, uh, there's one in Detroit because they're from here. And luckily, oh, this gets a discount. Yeah. Fuck. All right, never mind. One up, Rudy. One up. <laughs> it's my my uniform now. I've had to. I keep shrinking, so I have to keep buying more pants and shorts. And, and yeah, same here. Same here. Nice. I work too hard. I am also losing weight at somewhat slower pace, but. Well, actually, I'll just Good jump. Quick, quick segue, or not segue, but just it's the Scooby. So, um, when I first started my quote-unquote professional career doctors made a specific type of like workman's khaki so it was like a blend of like the khaki slash genie it was like ah, fucking forget what they called it was like a hybrid khaki i loved it but then as i progressed and my job became a little bit more professional um they had this alpha khaki they call it so <laughs> so stupid so the alpha khaki, uh, but it was a pant that like fit me well. Well, like it's weird. So whatever re- for whatever reason, I gravitate I gravitate to the the pant to which like is no longer in trend. So like they continually like discontinue that item. So I'm always like trying to buy up like the scraps of whatever's left. And so it gets kind of the same point where. Like, I am buying, like, the same color pants, like, every moment that I have 
65 khaki that's out there. And I tried it for the first time. I'm like, God, I hate this fucking pants. I guess it was just the pants. Yeah, it was like he was buy every time. It would be all the same. It no is so changes. fucking frustrating. I, I have this conversation with Kirsten every season because I'm changing size or my clothes were out and I need to go try shit on again because the same ones aren't there the next year. And it, it drives me nuts. And so I wore Gap jeans for probably 15 years just because I didn't like sure. to go and try shit on and Kirsten could just go buy shit and more or less fit me and it used yep. to be decent. But over the years, they go from lasting me a year to lasting me two months because they just became garbage. And since I switched yeah. to hard pants, I am much happier with the life. Yeah, yeah I'm looking at it. I, I've been to the Carhartt store in uh, the Mall of America. It's pretty legit, but I, got, I don't know. It's just weird because, like, I, I don't know. It, something about the Doctor's brand, it, I don't know if it's Shinger or what, but it's, it's I don't know. Yeah, it's the same brand. Yeah, it's gotten shittier. It's gotten shittier, dude. I was stressed out about trying to do brand on. I was so stressed about like getting it, but I got a guy there to help me. He's great. His name's Davey. We get along. You know, he helps me out when I go and gives me beer. Telling you, bring beer. It goes better. (laughs) Fuck. I got. Yeah, I got to start transitioning. Well, like my problem is like I have to wear. Excuse me. Um, sort of like kind of like I guess dress shoes. And there was a pair, when I first started, there was a pair of Doc Martens that were fucking awesome. Um, kind of like a modernish style loafer that just was not expensive, but also super comfortable. And now that doesn't even exist anymore. And they're trying to like upstyle you on something else that you don't need. It doesn't make any sense. I'm like, why do you continually discontinue the things that work so well but maybe that's just me and you know maybe nobody bought that item whatsoever <laughs> and now it's just like in the discontinued rack that like Nordstrom or DSW I have no clue but it's yeah, just weird but, yeah I guess people like, think they need new ones <clears throat> well and, yeah obviously there's a huge I mean that's a big deal you have to constantly update all the time and I wish I could have like a custom tailor like Ben Roach but it's just not the point yet a personal clothier. A personal clothier. <laughs> Brian. Are they on the internet or are they in real life? It's real life. Person I meet with them. You did start dressing way better. I don't know. Probably when you met Sammy or whatever. That'd be 100 percent correct. <laughs> uh, I got one more thing to say about the plants. So, um, and I'll, I'm not even going to mention the psychedelic conference this time because. It would discredit my whole plant story. But no. <laughs> um, uh, that was so legit, right? Um, but uh, so I decided that I was like, uh, okay, if I have not done these things that people say you can do to see if you can communicate with a plant, how would I know if it's possible or not? Even if I didn't believe in it, you know what I mean? So um, I decided I wanted to try, like last week or something. And um, I... I, I I, I decided, okay, well, how am I going to you know, learn about this stuff? I probably would help to find an indigenous person who says they've done it before. And so I thought, well, Peru is where you know, that people talk about the ayahuasca thing and everything. Um, and uh, I, I've, you know, had some hesitancy of going to, like, South America's and Zika and stuff lately. Um, but, like, uh, I, I, I thought, you know, I, I have a connection to Peru if I deep reach far enough back. 
And uh, and so my when I was in Brazil, I became friends with Maria Fernanda, who was at my wedding, and she's Peruvian. And so I kind of had remembered her saying stuff about like talking to plants, maybe, or that plants could talk a long time ago. And so like I just called her up, and I haven't talked to her since my wedding. And I was like, Hey, how's it going? Good to talk to you. So like um, had plants been drinking a year and a half ago. Um, <laughs> use a bunch of hallucinogens, learn about that, it's really cool science about that, and then, you know, I was reading this book about plant intelligence, and I want to talk to plants, can you help me out? And she's like, oh, well, it's good to hear from you, Jenny, uh, but like, uh, yeah, I don't really know much about talking to plants, like, I'm from Peru, but like, we don't all do ayahuasca, you know, but like, <laughs> like, we like, might know about that, you know, like, have some connections there, I'll think about it, and like, good talking to you. Let's get together sometime. Bye. <laughs> yeah, as you might expect, if someone who you hadn't talked to in five years called you up and said, I'd like sure. you to help me talk to plants. Fair enough. <laughs> That's an appropriate, okay. it was appropriate, appropriate, appropriate response. Yeah, I don't hold it against her by any means. <laughs> um, so I, I, I thought about it a couple of days, read more of the book, and like uh, took some acid last weekend. It's like, uh, and like was, was in my post-acid like buzz the next day of like my thoughts are just really clicking and i'm like oh i know who fucking can talk to plants and know somebody who can fucking ranel ranel probably knows someone she is super hooked up on the native front and she like was into the uh, like she does sweat lodges and knows people who are who do stuff and so i called her up and i haven't talked to her more than once since jason died so we, we were very Damn, she's still in twin cities she is and she works with native um people this kind of social work kind of stuff, I think. And sure. Like, uh, um, and, and so she, she she could be a very volatile person, lovely when she's lovely, and, and you know, a, a, a fiery one when she's not. Yes, so I, I, I've met her before. Yes. Or anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> and so I pick up the phone, she's like, hey, Finny, oh, man, it's so good to hear from you. I can't believe you're calling me. That's so cool. It's been a long time. How you doing? And like, I was like, quit drinking, you know, fucking hallucinogens like uh you know michael pollan's book and learn to want to talk to plants and she's like oh fuck yeah yeah i know people that can talk to plants for sure one of these people has become like my best friends and all that shit like she could totally help you out you guys would jive um so i haven't gotten back into touch with her yet but with just two phone calls i think i found an avenue to a teacher to teach me how to do this which is pretty pretty serendipitous i would say yeah Interesting. Mm-hmm. To Renell or to somebody else that she knows? Someone else she knows. I don't think Renell is um, talking to plants okay, to herself, okay. but she uses these medicines to help un- uh, relieve the psychic that burden of dealing with, um, you know, people who are having a hard time with life. You know, it, it, it rubs off on you after a while. So, yeah. I mean, that's going to be like the more modern like issue that we face I'm sure and there's going to be you know now you go you get you know many pity foot massage back massage like there's probably going to be like spiritual healing places dedicated just to people who are trying to like get off their phones well whatever we're doing now to heal people's mental health isn't working um and there's a lot of money being made and there's a lot of drugs being taken of SSRIs and shit or, or recreational drugs or whatever cell phone drugs for that matter but it's not working. Well, do you know, I mean, I someone was saying that the, like, a lot of the, because I think there was just the, uh, what was it, 
uh, Virginia Beach shooting that just took place. Yeah. And um, I, I'm, I can't remember who it was. Um, but they were talking about that a lot of these mass shooting instances typically take place from somebody who's on some type of... Uh, God damn it. Um, SSRI. Yeah, yeah, SSRI. Okay. Yeah. For sure. Selective serotonin reuptake mm-hmm. inhibitor. Yeah, yeah, it does. Suffer. It, it it seems to have happened quite a few times. I don't know about the science of that or the statistics or anything, but mm-hmm. I've heard people say that. Um, yeah, it, it, people people's wellness isn't good. But uh, there's a quote. I, I'm not going to get it right, but it was like, it is not a sign of 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 good health to be well adjusted in a profoundly sick society. It's hard to to have good mental health when maybe the, like, way we work is kind of, kind of broken, you know? Well, yeah, I mean... Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, like, my sister called me up this morning and she's like, yeah, did you hear about that thing? I'm like, yeah, I did. People suck. What else is going on? And I just kind of blew it off casually. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. I mean, but, this happens you know, so frequently um, now. Yeah. There's nothing you can really, you know. Which, I mean, yeah, which is, you know, it's, it's terrible. Sucks, it's horrendous that we can get numb to this, you know. If I could actually, like, drill down into, like, you know, the people that are going through it and, you know, all the lives affected, like, yeah, I'd probably, like, be in tears. But when you're sitting back and you have, like, all these things slash emotions and, you know, um, responsibilities, you like at the time when you do like read the headline or someone says oh by the way did you hear about this you, you really don't have at least for your personal you don't have the time to like even dedicate like response almost it's kind of weird I don't know if that's like part of being in the modern society or what but it's it sucked I mean it's not what I would want to say but it's what I typically fall back on which is people suck The the um the way we distance ourselves from things that are emotionally painful that other people are going through is something I've been thinking about actually a lot today because of that kind of stuff and like um Kirsten uh showed me a picture of these um people being held I don't know what state it was in but these these migrants and there were like six seven hundred people in a room for like 120 they were like standing on toilets like there was they're pressed up against the window like they're like being like they don't hold cattle this tight. It's it's fucked up, and I don't. I haven't talked about this with anybody. I haven't heard anybody talk about this other than on the news. No one in my world talks about this. This this people who are being hurt this way, myself included, because I don't know anybody who's being affected by it that I know of. And if I can emotionally shut myself off from these people's pain, then exactly, I can go through my day and I can be more functional but like when we go to dinner and we uh, speak in coded language to our husband or wife about the shooting today so that our kids don't understand what we're talking about and we just go on about our day it kills us inside it is somewhat I, I hate using these examples but like morally like, comparable to people standing by in the holocaust I don't mean that as in the holocaust I mean that there is a process of doing that that people are capable of that is very, very unhealthy. 
German people aren't inherently bad people. There was something going on in their psyche and society that caused them to close off their empathy towards other human beings. And when we do that, we become less human. And so, like, I'm, I was talking to Chris today, like, I need to, it's like eating meat, like, like I do, you know, like, eating meat that I don't, it's not eating meat in general, but, like, meat that I don't know where it came from, that it came from these factory farms, I know that's not right, but I do it anyway, and it's, it's, it's to do that stuff that you're not listening to your gut, and you know that's not right, and you're just cutting off your empathy for other creatures, it, it's, it makes you less, less human, and I'm trying to do it less, and, um, like, I don't know, I don't know what that means yet. And how to do it, but I'm trying to. Yeah, yeah I would say that superhumanity at the point is to all that stuff of you know whales consuming like more plastic than anything else. Starting to lose it already. You're back. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. But not now. We're just gonna get a new internet connection. <laughs> I was gonna say earlier, this seems like a pretty good uh, until right now. Yeah, you're breaking up. Uh, Rudy, I have an idea that is, is, I think, is kind of what you're saying a little bit about the environment and the hopelessness we feel when we. When we think about the catastrophe that we've been aware of since we were children, like we keep all every one of us keeps doing things that we know we could change that that is is really harmful to ourselves and our surrounding environment, right? Like we all have stuff. Like I, my family, we waste a shit ton of food. We buy too much food. We waste too much food. That's like one example of something that's abhorrent and gross, you know. And and we do it anyway. And, and I think that, that cognitive dissonance that we've had since we were little kids that like, hey, we're fucked and what the hell am I supposed to do about it is something that we, um, that really hurts us again. You know, like um, when, when, when Lagunese was bought by Heineken, um, there are a lot of people who were worried about like, hey, is this something that's going to um, like make this not a good place to work anymore, you know? And I'm as like the, the company like guy talking to the employees or whatever as their, their friend and, and cheerleader and shit. I'm like, hey, you know, I don't know how it's gonna go, but I know that if you believe that it's gonna go poorly and it's gonna suck working here, it definitely will. Because we are the constituent parts of this whole and we make it fun or not to a large extent. However, if, and so if we believe it's gonna be great or it could be great, we have a chance of it being good. But if we believe it's going to be fucked, we're absolutely right. And for my whole life with the environment, I've just believed we were going to be fucked, so I behave as if we are fucked, and therefore I guarantee that we are fucked. And I'm trying to be done with that. I'm not going to believe that we're fucked, because if I believe that, we are, just like everybody else. I'm going to try to do stuff. Are you there? I'm here. Okay. <laughs> what do you think? I mean, this is the tipping point, right? We're basically more or less, if we don't do anything now, then nothing we do later is going to really matter. It'll be on the margins. 
Um, and it's it's tough to see every day um, a particular set of people they either say it's not happening and or it's happening but there's nothing we can do about it it's, it's a difficult problem and it's going to take difficult solutions to solve a difficult problem and just the uh, um, ignoring the problem is what uh, people who have the power to do something have chosen to do and it's disconcerting that um, that that's the path that we're all being forced to go down right I mean um, whatever the majority of Americans believe uh, we're being led uh, down a bad pathway by a minority of people in, in control of the things that can matter and it's you know we obviously can do everything we want to do in our day-to-day lives but um and there's gonna be a cost to it you know economic and or otherwise to do this but i think that has to be done you know i talk about you know uh you know my grandparents who are in their 80s or whatever um don't want to take a tax raise because that affects them directly whereas you know i can say to them hey yeah you guys are gonna you know obviously this problem will be a problem in your lifetime, right? But think about you have a three-year-old grandson, you think, or great-grandson, I guess. You know, think about his kids. You know, this is their problem. Um, so this generational um, shift that has to occur that I don't think is going to be possible to occur at this point. I think it's, it's too baked in. And, you know, to your point, you know, because I, th- I always thought it was fucked, I kind of thought that, and I think that, unfortunately, I think that's just the truth as of today. You know, whether things will change in the next, you know, five, ten years is a different story. But um, something has to change. If it doesn't, then none of it, none of it, none of it else really matters, I guess. Um, so two years ago, I would have probably said almost the exact same thing as you said. The change that I've had since then is that I think that all those things are true. But, well, a lot, most of those things are true. But... The, you're, you're shifting the responsibility to a place that you have no control over it. And when you do that, you take your own agency and power out of the situation and you guarantee um, doom and kind of depression over the thing. And if you try to do whatever you can individually, which I'm not saying I do everything I can by any means. I don't even do a tenth of the shit I could. I'm just uh, I'm, I'm trying to build this idea in myself so that it becomes a reality and 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 that's what i found is if you believe in something you start to do it you start to become a reality of it and then other people see you and they want to do that too and so like when your neighbor puts on solar panels on the roof for some dumb example like you're like oh that's cool i wonder how i could do that you know and so the idea that we are totally responsible for our governmental leaders to make policy changes that will save our environment is a doomed idea because change from the top up isn't always the way it works. And as far as science and saying we're fucked if we don't think anything in 10 years, well, maybe yes, maybe no. But we're not going to know unless we all pitch in instead of taking the responsibility away from ourselves and blaming it on the current or general political situation because it's just it's it's uh, thrown in the towel. Yeah, I agree. Um... And I, 
Yeah, I try to do what I can, but again, I'm one person where this is a worldwide problem, you know, that, and re it, you know, and it's going to require real leadership. Right, okay, so say, unpack that, you, you know, change doesn't happen top down, right. Yes, that's, you know, but there has to be some policy changes that have to be impacted by the people at the top. You know, it's, it's, it's uh, it has to go both ways, I guess. Of course it does, but like, let's look at like weed, for example, with like a change in policy, right? Policy didn't change because the people at the top are isn't changing because the people at the top said, "Oh, well, we were really wrong about this whole thing. We need to we need to go and rectify the way we've been handling this situation. People are suffering." No, it happened because people just kept doing shit, namely smoking, selling, growing weed, <laughs> and like illegal activity, like and and to the point where enough people did it that didn't make sense and and, and like did legislation and had a you know grassroots movement. That like, hey, now we've got a serious difference in policy change that happened in not that long of a time, um, and so like, I, I really like, I, I totally understand that viewpoint, but it's 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 just um, more change happens from individuals sharing and telling people about the things and the way that they think and they feel than I think we recognize, and so I've been really trying to like absolutely, I agree that hundred percent. Tell people stuff, you know, just tell people Look. like like. You talk, you know, you brought up the marijuana legalization example, and I would say the, I would say a step further and even quicker progress was gay marriage. You know, in the latter yeah. half of the uh, Bush the Younger administration, there was serious consideration of passing a constitutional amendment to ban gay marriage. And 10 years later, or 15 years later, it's not even, it's not, nobody, no politician on either party even talks about it, right? It's just done. And that was in, you know, the swing. It was less than 20 years from something that was polling um, nationally in the 30s, right? You know, you know, 30% of Americans you know, nationally approved of gay marriage. And now it's not even um, discussed. It's just, it's just a fact, right? And, you know, so that things can change in a hurry if... To your point, right, this takes two things. It needs the grassroots movement um, voter turnout of those people to put um, lower, you know, lower level people in charge. And the lower level people or newer people, say, say, let's say, say lower level, say new, new crop of people into the political calculus. Um, who uh, maybe don't have the power to change things on their own, but if enough people get put into power, they can even a, even a minority or vocal minority can sway the you know quote unquote ruling class of the political system um, to make changes. Um, so I, you're right. I think you're right that um, it has to start at at the the local level, you know, individual level, but it has to kind of cascade through the whole system to the top. Absolutely. That's, that's, and, and, and so there's been, I gotta, I gotta find a podcast. I can't remember which one it is, but there's a, such a good podcast about 
gay marriage and I think it might be hidden brain um, and, and how and why it was such a not only quicker and more drastically changing event but it's very solidified like it's very solidly changed in public opinion and a big part of that reason is that like all of a sudden someone that you already knew and loved uh, was gay that you didn't know before and you had to deal with the cognitive dissonance again of I love this person but I think being gay is wrong or gross or whatever and so like it was this thing that everyone had to be like oh my gosh this person is, is different than I thought they were I need to readjust whereas like with racism this like persistent horrible thing that we're all having in our lives it's, it's, it's not that way because my sisters are going to tell me tomorrow hey I'm black you didn't know that you know, right. it yeah. just doesn't, doesn't work that it's way it's a more visible um, characteristic yeah, and so, like, that's kind of, like, with weed, it can be that way a little, too, and, like, with psychedelics, it's really interesting. It's going to get approved by these small board on the FDA, essentially, that, like, I've heard through various sources, essentially, like, a couple of them are turned on in this approval for new drugs on this board. Like, they did hallucinogens as younger people, yeah. and so they see them in a different light, and they talked about them with people who did them as well, and they shared their views and didn't keep it a secret, and so they might have, you know, and, you know, they got into this, just not a job where they're voted in, just people that day, they're administrative folks. But I don't want your bureaucrats, they're going to change your laws, and my <laughs> mushrooms are not legal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But they're going to change the world by approving a compound that enables people to more closely relate to their environment and not want to break it so much, as well as helps with depression and addiction and all these things, um, and just by having a few people that like expose them to this way of living. And for you, Ben, maybe you're not going to be a politician or a or an environmental activist of a leader of sorts, right? But let's say you get like really into it and you start doing a lot of stuff, and then Harris like grows up with that a part of his life and this thing that his dad really loves and thinks is really cool well your son might be that leader that's always the be the change be the change I don't know you want to see in the world yeah there you go right which yeah so you know we you know Minneapolis added a uh, organic recycling thing I say a year or so ago so several a few of our neighbors do it and it's like it's free right it's just well it's part of our current services is going to cost extra and it's like you know again it's a stupid little step we're just gonna you know instead of throwing the food waste and the garbage you throw out another bucket and throw out another different bin or cart whatever you want to call it and you know it's not you know going to change the world but you know if you're it's another you know organic recycling cart on the curb so you know the more you know as our other neighbors okay well now you know now roaches are doing it you know and you know the people across the street you know it's like okay now half the block's doing it and then that leads to you know the whole block's doing it and now you know it just kind of um you know you know i, I you know I, they sent out the thing and it's like yeah right i'm not gonna do this and it's like well you know kind of the peer pressure thing you know always come to peer pressure um like well you know the neighbors across the street are doing it so i kind of talk to them and it's like yeah it's really easy it's not even you know that big of a deal it's like okay well still kind of up in the air about it but you know i think we'll pro- i think at some point we'll probably do it so it's again it's a um, it's not right a life changing thing, but it it helps. You know, it's so what they use it for. Um, then is that the city composts it, and then they have the free dirt available uh, to residents to come um, use it for gardening or whatever whatever you know uses they have it for. So it's just uh, you know it's a zero waste right um, approach to uh, 
uh, try to limit uh, the garbage that gets put into landfills, which is important and you know it's a step that uh, shouldn't be all that difficult. We just have to add another you know trash can or right. your bin to the right. kitchen. It's not anything you know. I'm not well, putting solar panels in our house, you know, or whatever. But uh-huh. um, it's 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 a step, I guess, that is uh, you know some you know I don't call it virtue signaling or whatever, but there's some you know uh, herd mentality about you know I'm you know you know I feel a little better about myself, you know I'm doing it too, you know. Um, so yeah. to put that curb down, whatever every other week or however often it picks up, whatever it's like, yeah, you know I'm you know you know it, it helps, but there's also some self satisfaction. I can pat my bat self on the back and say, you know, well. You know, look everybody I'm you know I'm helping or whatever but um you know I don't know there's it but it it <clears throat> it's good to do and it also probably makes you feel better about yourself I guess or you know to some effect like that I guess and when you feel better about stuff like I've always been really hesitant about uh, virtue signaling as you're saying like oh look at me and how good I am like I really am not com- I, I have traditionally I've been very uncomfortable with that um but I I've discovered that when I do things that are good for myself and I engage in like um, like self-improvement or whatever, um, I feel good about it and then I want to do more stuff that feels good for myself or others. Like I've been practicing giving people compliments lately because <laughs> it makes me feel really good. Your warm fuzzies? You know? Your warm fuzzies? Yeah. I, if someone did something really good, like I just tell them. Tell them, like, yeah. You're really good at that. You know, like I'm accepting compliments. I've always been so like modest that it's like, oh no, you're... Stop it, you know, and like, instead I just said thank you, you know, <laughs> thank you, I appreciate that, um, and doing that, it just makes you want to do more good stuff, although it's so hesitant, I, I was just saying this today, we're all hesitant, I think, to engage, or I was hesitant to engage in self-improvement, because I have, part of me has always, like, hated myself, as I think most of us does, like most of us do, rather, and, um, and when you struggle between the states of at one point really hating yourself and five minutes later thinking like you're pretty good and pretty great at stuff maybe or at least acceptable, um, my brain started to say, all right, well, when you believe that you're good and you don't suck, that must mean that you do the right things because you're a good person. And so the things that I do must be right because I'm a good person. And so I don't want to engage in too much self-improvement because that would say that I'm not good enough. I'm not a good person. And, and so what I've lo- discovered is, like, I just – I am a good person. I just do bad shit. So, like, that's fine. Like, just, just work from there and don't worry about, like, saying that because my behavior was wrong or bad, I'm not I'm, – I'm not acceptable. You know? well, I, I get what you're saying, and I kind of sort of on the same line, but for me it's like there's no hate or, like, self-loathing basically involved at all because for whatever reason I don't get hung up on that like and there are instances where I'm like god I really fucked up or god that was so stupid but then it brushes aside just as quickly as that thought like was entered into my brain it's like oh well life's too short let's keep moving you know don't get hung up on it you gotta keep going rolling with it but I don't know I, I yeah I could see how it's not hard to get fixated on certain ideas, but that's just, I guess uh, that's how I differ. For me, I'm instantaneous. It's like I'm I'm either like, yeah, God, I'm on, I'm so good, or like, God, you're an idiot. Why do you always do that? I mean, you guys see it in me. You know that yeah. every day, every yeah. single day. <laughs> 
hey, Rudy, are you coming to Detroit Lakes? Norm's coming up. Uh, when? Norm's going to be there between the 3rd and the 7th. Or the 3rd and the 8th. Morning the 3rd to the 7th. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, yeah, I, I would love to. And if you had tuned in to this earlier <laughs> portion of the podcast, you would know that I, my life is continually... Um, at a disarray based on the manpower and the routes that need to get pulled. So at this point, I have no idea what like my Fourth of July weekend's gonna look like. But yeah, I mean, we'd love to get up there at some point. Cool. Well, we're coming up on two hours. We want to kind of wind it down here. Yeah, I think that was a great, a great talk. Thanks, sorry for being late, but uh, um, yeah. Uh, Wide ranging, I think one of our best talks yet, in my opinion. Yeah, no, it's worked. Yeah, I think it worked out pretty good. Me and Ben held it together. You know, <laughs> just the two of us. It's like, all right, fuck it, we're just gonna roll. No big deal. You know, we're not gonna get like you know messed up by the fact that no one else is here. We're just gonna <laughs> go with it, and it worked out perfect. So I will uh, close, I guess, with just a couple of pod stats. Um, so both of our uploaded ones have about ten listens, I think, a piece. Um, across various platforms, some I've never heard of before, but um, we did get one person on Anchor that liked us and commented on it and he said, good job or something. Um, what was it? Does it have a name? I, it's, well, it's like a username, so it's like Mary Berry, yeah, I know, but whatever. Like, we're not figure it out. <laughs> I, she also has a podcast. I, I can I can forward you guys and stuff or whatever. Um, I got to respond to her too, I guess, but um, I see it's a girl because the picture was really, it was like flower or something, but it could, not to, not, not to assume a gender, um, but um, yeah, well, this podcast will die immediately. So they estimate our uh, audience as four people, uh, two of which I think are on this call. <laughs> so we have at least two other people out there that are listening to it. So um, good. So my uh, my coworker Paul Romano, he's uh, he's the Midwest manager for Lagavitas, and he. Uh, he is doing a podcast with his son called the Weed Man 420 Podcast. <laughs> they're, they're like, uh, he's got stickers and everything. They've been playing it for a while, and they like research like a topic, kind of like a cannabis related, and like do education on it. And I thought that was really neat because like he's always wanted to get in the weed game, but is realizing that like to get in the actual processing or selling of actual like marijuana stuff is just like really hard for someone of normal means to do at this point. Yep. And so he's like, oh, I want to do this, and I thought. You know, that's neat. I'll give it a listen to give him some feedback. And I told him about our podcast and stuff. And I tried listening to his podcast. And because it was my friend and I was, like, embarrassed for him. Not like it didn't even start yet. Like, I heard, like, like fucking, like, a minute. And I was like, no, I can't even listen to this. I'm just going to change the whole time. Not that it was good or bad. I just couldn't deal with, like, sure. hearing my friend do that. And so I... I realize that I, I still don't know the point where I can listen to ours because if I can't listen to his, so sorry. <laughs> no, it's yeah. So at this point, like, I think we might need to like step up our mic game, like I said before. Um, I think today's quality's been. I think today's at least from, I haven't listened to it. I guess at the recording, but today's quality's been very good. Yeah, no, I mean, and that's part of it is like my, I mean, our connections are all goofed up on top of that, um, but. I did get, uh, so what do we have? So it's for the number four. No, spell that. Backless friends at Gmail. And oh. then I'm working on the um, Twitter uh, handle right now. 
and I'm probably going to work on all the other social media stuff too. So you can cut this out from the podcast if you want to, but no, people um, can, people there's some stuff we're trying to work on. If you want to email us, I mean, email us at, you know, in case somebody randomly happens to listen to the show, um, and you want to get a hold of us, um, there might be a way. There might be an email set up. There might be (laughs) something. Ben, do you want me to do an outro? Yes, please. All right. Well, thank you, guests, all you of you wonderful listeners, rather. We really appreciate you joining us on our wide-ranging topics of conversation. I really feel that one day this episode will go down in history as when, you know, four people learned that plants are intelligent and can talk. Uh, so, you know, thanks for tuning in, and hopefully by next week you'll have found something better to do with your time. It's a wrap. <laughs> Good night, everyone. All right. Good night. Take care, sir. All right, we'll see you, ladies. We'll Good see you. Good talking to you. Bye. All right, bye.